Good evening. If you would like to go ahead and open in your Bibles to the book of Luke. We'll spend uh, the, the focus of our study this evening in this chapter, or in this book, mainly in uh, chapter 2. <clears throat> this time in which Luke records, the, the, the space of time that he is talking about, is a time that we see the... Uh... Oh, he's my presenter down there. No, I apologize, it's here in my pocket. <laughs> it is a time that we see a people who still regard themselves as the chosen people. The, the Israelites at this time, the Jews, they knew that they had been chosen. They, they remembered their heritage. And it was a common view at this time to think, because we are the chosen ones, someday we are going to rule again. Someday, at a very minimum, we're going to rule the land that we had previously lost. Or even to some, they thought, we're going to likely rule the whole world. They had this idea of this all-encompassing kingdom that was coming in that would last for forever. They were waiting for someone through the lineage of David to be this great victor, their champion. Kind of, kind of picture maybe Goliath in your mind. They were waiting for somebody that was going to be violent. And he was going to raise up an army and there, and there was going to be battles and chariots and the banner going out in front of them. They were really waiting for this physical conflict. At the same time, there were those who were waiting for a similar uh, uh, occurrence to happen, but to be brought forth through the act of God. They're waiting for God to directly alter the course of history with His divine might. Uh, kind of thing maybe in Daniel of the writing on the wall. They're waiting for God to reach down and just wipe out their, their adversaries and to restore them to the rightful inheritance that they believed that was coming. But in the same time, there was a third group of people. This third group of people were the ones who were just content to be quiet and to be patient as they waited on the Lord. They had no dreams of violence or power to come. They had no dreams of armies and chariots, no banners of war. They just simply believed in a life of constant prayer and patiently watching until God should come. And they got this from, from the, our idea from Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 in verse 1, they knew that destruction wasn't comforting, but, but comfort. In Isaiah 40 verse 1, comfort, yes, comfort my people, say, uh, says your God. And in Isaiah 49 verse 13, <clears throat> Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have mercy on His afflicted. And the same thing is brought up again in Isaiah 52 verse 9. Uh, you yeah verse, yeah, verse 9. Bring forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And that brings us to Luke 2. Luke 2 and verse 22, we are getting a glimpse of the brief period of time after Jesus' birth. Uh, starting in verse 22, we will read down through verse 24. Now in the days of her purification, that is Mary... Uh, now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
Now in this text we see uh, Jesus, or Joseph and Mary bringing the infant Jesus. He would, have been, uh, about, he would have been 40 days old at this point. And they brought him down to make a sacrifice, doing so in keeping with the law of Moses. Now, if, you, if you sometime want to look back at Leviticus 12, verses 1-8, through 8, we read of the time in which a, a male was to be circumcised and the time in which they, that a female is in her purification state, uh, considered unclean until these so many days for a male and so many days for a female. But for a male, a sacrifice was requested. And for those that had males, they would sacrifice a lamb. But if they weren't, uh, didn't have the money for a lamb, they were allowed to sacrifice two turtle doves or young pigeons. So this text shows us two things. The first is, Joseph and Mary were obedient to the law. They, they were, not only did they know the law, the law of Moses, they said, we are going to follow what the Lord has commanded, and we are going to make sure that our children are, are a part of that. We're going to see that even though we have a child and he's young, this was still commanded of us, and we're going to do it. But the next thing we see is they were poor. They didn't offer a lamb. They offered two turtle doves or, or two young pigeons. They came from poverty. But the next thing that I want to focus on, and what's really going to capture... Uh, the study tonight is the person they met in the preceding or in the next few chapter, uh, verses, starting in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation. Another word for that is comfort of Israel, and the whole and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. When Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, or then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon here is one of these quiet men. Simeon was one of these men who were waiting, who through prayer and worship and humility and faith were waiting for the day when God would come and comfort His people. Now God had promised Simeon He would see the Christ before His death. And we don't, under, we don't know, we're not told the circumstances in which, in which he knew too much about Christ. We don't know if possibly after the birth of Christ, if the wise men had came through and Simeon had heard about the poverty level that, that he was born into, being laid in a manger. We don't know if maybe the shepherds had come through and talked about this young child and, and give him some insight on it. But the one thing that we do know, as it said in, in verse... 26, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in verse 27, so he came by the Spirit. Excuse me, in verse 27. So he came by the Spirit. The Spirit led him to the temple. The Spirit led him to the temple. And while he was there, this poor peasant woman comes in, carrying her child. And at that moment, he takes the child in his arms and he begins to, to bless God and praise God and bless the parents. 
Now, this must have been strange, to say in the very least. This had to have been very odd for them. In fact, in verse 33, it says, Joseph and Mary, they marveled. They marveled at the things that were said. This word marveled is, is interesting to me. It carries with it the idea of this wondrous confusion, if you will. The, the word is used in many other passages. Matthew eight twenty seven, when Jesus calms the storm in the boats. The disciples wake Him up and say, look around you, and He tells the waves to be still. And it stops and it says the disciples marveled. You kind of get this idea of, what was that? Did you see that? He just said it to be still and it was still. That's amazing. The same idea, the disciples marveled in Matthew 21 verse 20 when the fig tree withered in front of them, when it didn't produce uh, fruit and, and Jesus rebuked it. Or Matthew 24 12, Peter upon seeing the empty tomb of the Christ marveled. And in, Matthew, or in Luke 24, verse 41, the disciples at the sight of the risen Savior marveled. This idea of marveled really has, carries with it something that is kind of beyond belief. It's like, what is going on here? The, the parents, Joseph and Mary, they marveled at the things which were spoken of Him. So it begs us to ask the question, for, for Simeon to say all this stuff, we have to wonder, what was it that Simeon saw? What was it that he saw when he looked upon the Christ as he was being held in his mother Mary's arms? And that's what I want to look at the rest of our study this evening. Simeon saw, the first thing that we see that he saw, was salvation. In Luke 2 verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Though Jesus was only 40 days old, Simeon recognized that it was him, he would be the one to bring salvation. And now, for Joseph, this had to be very peculiar, a very peculiar instance. Because if you look back at Matthew chapter 1, and verse 20, Joseph, in context here, is, is thinking about putting, his, uh, putting Mary away. He said, I don't really understand what's going on here. Uh, she is pregnant. I'm just going to secretly kind of put her away. And he has a dream. And in this dream, an angel visits him and says, in verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, Mary, take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph at this time has to be thinking, Hey, I've heard this before. Hear this man here saying that my son... I have no idea who this guy is, but he is up here saying, my son is going to be is, is salvation. That's the same thing that this angel told me in my dream. These things cannot be coincidences. And the fact is, it's not. That is exactly what Jesus is. He is salvation. In fact, Acts 4.12 tells us it is impossible to be saved through any other name but that of the name of Jesus. But Simeon isn't the only person to see this. Paul also taught of this in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, in verses 4 through 11, Paul, sa Paul says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul really was saying here is he says, You think that you're good? I'm better. I'm better when it comes to the flesh. So look at all that I've done. But he goes on in verse 7 with that three-letter word, but. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish 
that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own, my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What Paul was saying here, is no matter what I've done, all these amazing things that I've done, the, the, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, concerning zeal, I'm like a Pharisee. He says, it doesn't matter. Without Christ, it doesn't matter one bit because Christ is the only thing that I'm going to gain my salvation through. The same thing was taught in Hebrews. It's commonly believed to be written by Paul as well. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Therefore he, also, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. It's talking about Jesus. It basically says that Jesus is able to save God for those who come through Him. In John 14, verse 6, we, we read, No one comes to the Father except through Me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So right off the bat, here Simeon picks up this child. The first thing that he sees in him is he sees salvation. The salvation that would lie in, in the Christ. The next thing he sees is he sees fulfilled prophecy. In verse 31, he says, you have prepared before the face of all peoples. So this is what you have been preparing us for. This is what you have been talking about. The Scriptures were known among the people and all were aware of the expectation of the Messiah. They knew what was coming. But Simeon, he saw God's initiating steps. You know, we, in our morning class, we have been studying the death of Christ and, and those words he uttered on the cross, it is finished. But right here, Simeon is really saying, it is beginning. He said, this is it. This is, is what we have been waiting for. This is the Lord's Christ. He has come. He is fulfilling all these prophecies and all these other prophecies will be fulfilled. In fact, after His resurrection, Jesus came, went on to speak more about these prophecies uh, to the two men, two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. And we'll start reading in verse 25. But the context of this passage, uh, these two men are, are traveling from, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Christ, being disguised from them, walks up to them and he, He's listening to their conversation. They're talking about what's happened. And he says, he says, what are you all talking about? And basically they say, where are you from, man? Have you, have you not heard all these crazy things that have been going on? This man who, uh, who, was the, who said he was the Christ, he came and w was crucified and, and the earth shook and, and it was dark and, and now he's... He, uh, and, and, uh, excuse me. He said the earth shook and, and, and all this crazy stuff happened. How have you not heard of this? He said, are you a stranger in this land? And he says, no, I haven't heard of these things. And they say, well, specifically in verse, uh, in verse 24... Excuse me, I lost my place. I apologize. Verse 21. <laughs> they say, well, yes, all these things happen, but, again, that three-letter word, we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem us. We were hoping that it, was he, that it was He that was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. They still didn't get it. They were saying, look at all this that happened and He was crucified. But, but we, we were really hoping He was going to be the one. He was going to be the one to restore us to where we expected to be. And now starting in verse 25, we see Jesus uh, 
Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. He was saying, don't you know what the prophets say? Have you not heard the prophecies? Verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Now I have to wonder, of the hundreds of prophecies, I think I looked it up the other day, it was 360, I believe, 360-something prophecies that the Christ fulfilled in His life. I wonder which ones he talked to. I wonder if on the way to Emmaus, it's a seven-mile trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I wonder if they covered all the prophecies. I imagine there was a few that he had to have brought up, like in Numbers 21 verse 9, uh, and the serpent being lifted up on the pole to heal the multitudes. I'm sure he brought that up. And how that the Christ had to have been lifted up in the same way for the, to, to heal the sins of the world. Or 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, that the Christ would come from the lineage of David and how the Christ did come through Joseph from this lineage. Or maybe Psalm 2, verse 12, how life comes through faith in Him. And I'm sure you would have had to have talked about Isaiah 53, which is entirely fulfilled through Jesus' life. He had to have brought these things up, I'm sure. But the fact is, many preachers, not just Jesus, many preachers in the New Testament would later use these references to these prophecies in their teaching. Peter did it, does it, in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, looking in verse 23, we read, "...him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, having crucified and put to death." Talking there of the prophecies fulfilled... Through, through their actions and through the crucifixion of the Christ. Again in uh, chapter 3 and in verse 18. <clears throat> but these things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. So we see Peter here using the prophecies as a teaching tool. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul, he talks about the, the prophecies and uses them in an attempt to enter in a way to teach. In Galatians 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Talking about when it was complete. When, when the time was complete, when that which had been prophesied had come to pass, Christ was born of a woman. But right from the beginning, we see Simeon, at this very young age, uh, uh, or Christ's very young age, he saw that this was the beginning of all these fulfilled prophecies, that it was about to happen. The next thing he saw, and probably my favorite, is the light for the Gentiles. In fact, it is my favorite, because I'm not a Jew. So I am extremely glad that this is the case. But Simeon saw this right from off the get-go. In verse 32, he says, "...a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles." Prior to the coming of Christ, the world spiritually was in a very dark place. We were in darkness. There was sin, there was ignorance, misery, and death. But Christ has come to bring to all nations light. He has come and, and brought this light, the symbol of life and growth, knowledge and happiness. And this very well, when Simeon was talking about this, he might have been referencing Isaiah 49, chapter six, or verse 6. Indeed, he says, "...it is too small a thing that you should be my servant." to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be, 
or that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Same thing is, is mentioned again in Isaiah 51, verse 4. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from, from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. But one thing is for certain. We, we believe that is probably what he was referring to in, in these, these passages. But one thing is for certain. Simeon prophesying what he prophesied shows that Simeon, he had a great spiritual knowledge blessed to him. He had this great knowledge. He understood something when Jesus was an infant. Jesus isn't telling him this. Yes, he, he was led by the Holy Spirit, but he understood this. And his apostles... In Jesus' maturity, they couldn't grasp this. They had such a hard time getting a hold of this. But Simeon saw this right from the beginning. In fact, think of Peter, how many times he was persuaded to go to the Gentiles through a vision. And even once they went to the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit needed to be descended upon them to confirm to them that yes, the Gentiles have been accepted. And after all this has happened, what do we see? Peter going, oh, the Jews are watching. Let's, Let's kind of draw back from the Gentiles. Going back into that old way of life, Paul having to rebuke him. They had a hard time grasping this, but Simeon saw it in the Christ. When he looked upon the the infant child, he saw the fact that the Christ had a mission to the whole world. As Psalms 98 verse 2 and 3 and Isaiah 52 10 both point out, all the ends of of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Simeon saw this right from the beginning as well. And finally... Simeon saw glory for Israel. The glory of your people Israel, in Luke 2.32 it says, Israel was truly glorified in Jesus. I don't think they quite understood that. He, was under, that he glorified them in two separate ways. The first one, that they were chosen by God as the people who would receive the divine Son. The, the only time that we know of that, that God took human flesh and came to this earth, He came to the people of Israel. As, a, as a, a, a son in the tribe of David, that glorified them. They're the only ones that can claim that. In the second way, Jesus as a Jew, He presented to the world the picture of perfect manhood. You kind of think of it in this way. When, when the U.S. goes off to the Olympics and they compete in some, some event and they win gold, do we ever say, so-and-so won gold? Yes, eventually they will be known as having so many goals. Michael Phelps has won a lot of gold, but what it was announced on the news is the U.S. took gold in this category. It is, it is something to be proud of as a people. And Israel should have been proud as a people that from them, the only person to ever live a perfect, sinless life had come. So through His divinity and through His humanity, Jesus glorified Israel. And an angel told Mary about this in just a passage back in Luke 1 and verse 30 through 33. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. He will, uh, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's coming through the lineage of David. This is coming through the people of Israel. And in verse 33, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But unfortunately, the Jews had a very hard time seeing this. Paul in Acts chapter 13 reminds them of this, uh, starting in verse 42. 
In verse 42, he reads, So when the Jews went out to the synagogue, and the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and, and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the Word of God should be spoken to you first. He was saying, you deserve this. This come from your lineage. You needed to hear this first, but you have rejected it. Since you rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For, the, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> So Simon saw these, these four things in the Christ Jesus. He saw salvation. He saw fulfilled prophecy. He saw a light for the Gentiles. He saw glory for the Israel. But the one thing that I noticed that I found the most comforting, before he saw all these things, he made an action. He did something before he said the first word. In verse 28 it says, He took him up in his arms. He took that baby in his arms. He didn't stand over to the side and talk to Mary as she held the baby. No, he picked the child up. Can you imagine how that godly man felt at that moment? Holding the Christ in his arms. Holding the salvation, the beginning of fulfilled prophecies, the life for the Gentiles, the glory for Israel. Holding all this in his arms. I can't stop and think of how blessed he was to be able to do that. But John 14.23 tells us we have that same privilege. John 14.23 says, Jesus said if a man would love him and keep his words, he and the Father would come in and make their abode with him. So the question I have for you this evening is, do you love Jesus? John 14.23 says if you love him, keep his commandments and you will hold on to him. And he will hold on to you. He will make his abode within you. You know, these are all the things that Simeon saw. Ecclesiastes 1 through 8. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 1.18, excuse me. Or, actually, no, I apologize. That is 1 verse 8. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 8 says, The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Think of the years that Simeon was. It says that he, in, in verse 29, he says that now I can die. He says, now I, you, you, you have let your servant see what he has been waiting for. Truly, his eye was not satisfied with seeing until he had seen Christ. And certainly it is true with us. Our eye will never be satisfied with seeing until we have seen Christ. It helps give a better idea of Philippians 3, verse 8. Yet indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So today, what do you see? Do you see, as Simeon saw, do you see the Christ? Because if not, you need to change that. You need to make Christ's vision your vision. You need to see the love and the grace and the mercy that He has for you if only you would follow Him obediently. And if there is some way that we can help you this evening in that, please make it be known as we stand and sing the song of invitation.